You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the um, uh, Chris uh, Paramount Podcast Network. I thought that might be easier for you since you like alliteration so much. I do. Wordsmith. Yes. I have not yet hammered this one into me yet. I don't know what we're going to call it, but evidently we changed from CBS Interactive to Viacom CBS to now Paramount, which is pretty cool. Um, anyhow, we're part of some network doing a podcast this morning. Going to reach into the mailbag, take some questions, offer some answers as best as we can. Haven't done this in a while because it's been somewhat newsy around here. And... Unfortunately, a lot of the questions are about the news we have talked about quite a bit and problems we can't solve but can only make suggestions on, but problems that probably can't even interpret suggestions to make solutions because that's the nature of college sports these days. Um, It's a lot of pull-your-hair-out stuff, whether it's lineups, rosters, transfer portal, eligibility, so on and so forth. Um, I always say this, I would love the paycheck, I'd hate the job, and that really feels especially true now no this doesn't sound fun it doesn't sound seem like you know what they what what coaches signed up for having to deal with all of this and and this is why we are seeing so many programs uh, football especially i think you'll see more of it in basketball as well adding these positions to literally be general managers roster management of your team your program not just figuring out scholarships but figuring out uh free agency, if you will, uh, transfers in, out, who's available in junior college, who's, we've seen it get even trickier, even before all this portal stuff with, hey, let's try to sneak this guy in, in February, count him back towards December, and then actually use him as a counter towards next year. It's all so complicated for a system that should be pretty straightforward. And I don't imagine the NCAA trying to make it any easier. Or being able to. Right. That's probably part of the problem. I think there's two things there. If you have a problem that requires hiring someone to fix it, that's not fixing it. The problem is going to be there. You're just going to have somebody in charge of the problem. So the problem still exists. You have a person there to deal with the problem. The problem doesn't go away, though. You just have someone in the room who can do it. I don't think that's very promising. And also, like, that whole scenario you just explained about enrolling a person, counting them this way, all that. It's loopholes and and ways around, I don't know, rules, legislation, regulations, guidelines, whatever. And I guess it's allowed, but there's so many things that people can work around now that you spend a lot of time on that instead of just ways to fix it. So, again, bring someone else in to fix the problem. doesn't really get rid of the problem, though. It just addresses it. And then find ways around corners, over walls, under obstacles. Well, that's great, but... In doing that, you haven't addressed the issues and you've just created subsequent issues because all your reactions are going to have consequences that people are going to gripe about or exploit down the road, too. And I don't know, it feels like the the ball of twine is so unwound right now that it's never going to get back together again. Do you just want to rip the Band-Aid off and go ahead and address this question? Because we've discussed this ad nauseum, but we opened it up for a mailbag. And depending on how related you want to say these questions are. Uh, anywhere from four to eight of the questions in today's mailbag are related to, quote unquote, fixing the transfer portal, free agency, and football. 
You want to just rip it off and get it over with? Well, let's go over a couple things here. I'm not sure the transfer portal is a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't get that. It's a filing cabinet. It's a database. It's a place that you can put your name into so coaches can get in touch with you, which allegedly removed tampering. No, but that was one of the things. If you if you Google search a little bit and you look about, oh, this portal isn't a bad idea, it really kept kind of the vultures in college sports from hovering over a bad situation, whether it's in a meeting room or a program or a conference or whatever, and saying, I'm going to pluck the player I need, the best player, the player who works here, whatever, because that player would at least be able to go into the portal and then be contacted. So it kind of took away the all the, the backroom stuff. Again, a way under an obstacle, around a corner, over a wall. But people have kind of conflated that with, I think, immediate eligibility. To me, immediate eligibility is the, is the accelerator here. I think people know that now that they can get in the portal, they have many more eyeballs on them than before. If you're just some kid from, I don't know, if you're if you're just a player at like UTEP or even Abilene Christian, let's say, people might not know you, but you put your name in the portal, and all of a sudden, one of these people who sits behind a desk and says, "I need a cornerback," and all of a sudden, Bing, a cornerback from Abilene Christian or UTEP pops up. Now you do some research on that person. You look at the stats, the YouTube, you check out the huddle, what they were like in high school, and you say, "Wow, this person works." You might not know about that person until that person's in the portal. That may be a problem for some people, I guess. But the thing that really puts so many people in the portal and puts so many programs out is that there's no stipulation stopping people from transferring and playing immediately at the next school. Um, so let's, I guess, break down the, the what is the, quote here, problem. Is it the portal? Is it immediate eligibility? What do you think it is? Well, can we say it's the fact that the NCAA or the schools or whoever you want to pin the blame on personally – I go NCAA, literally just said, ah, screw it. Here's everything. Yeah. Uh, here's the transfer portal. Here's a free year of eligibility. Here's NIL with absolutely no rules. Go for it. F it. Fine. You wanted freedom. Here you go. Go. And and kind of backed off and just let everything go. And it's out of control. Like there was no, no rules, no stipulations. There was no, hey, transition period of, oh, this is a transfer portal. Let's see how this helps. Oh, okay, maybe we open it up for a free year of eligibility, uh, one-time only thing. Oh, no, we're going to do it all the time now. Oh, okay. And, and, oh, and at the same time, we're going to just let everybody get money, and, and people with different schools, different states, have different rules, can offer you money in different ways. Um, the I, either Any one of these ideas, the three separate ones we're talking about here, transfer portal, free year of eligibility, um, or you not having to sit out, not for a year of eligibility, but, uh, and the NIL, any one of those three separately, I don't have a problem with none of them, but throwing them all in at the same time and just saying, screw it, go ahead. That's, that's the problem. And as you pointed out, once you open this box, there's no stuff in it back in you try, try, try to go back to these kids and say, okay, sorry. Uh, actually, you do have to sit out again, and you're not allowed to make that much money. Please try that and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. there's there's no way. <laughs> I was unaware that the NCAA was an elected position because this is the pattern of a politician who is up for re-election and is just drowning in approval ratings, right? And mm-hmm. says, wait a minute, uh... 
blank some some pie in the sky thing here uh, don't make this a politics podcast i'm not, Mike. I'm, I'm not gonna get in trouble <laughs> reining myself back in here but my point being that like you see this a lot whether it's on like tv drama or even in real life a politician will be in trouble and be like um here's a promise or here's something that people want all of a sudden your popularity goes up you're approved you're reelected. everybody hated the ncaa and like for the longest time the ncaa didn't really care which was almost endearing if not aggravating but this was kind of one of those things that says, mm, I'm down 12 in the polls. I better do something for, for frankly, a position that's never going to go away. Like, I don't think, I mean, it's never, the NCAA is nothing in football. I get that, but it's got some oversight, obviously, in basketball, but it, it wasn't going anywhere. And I think you'd have a hard time finding, everybody talks about a split in college football. I don't, I don't know that that's going to happen either. So it just seemed like a strange thing here, too. Now, fixes. You're right. The problem is the combination of variables here and how potent that mix is. But I don't, and again, it can't go away. And everybody's going to say, well, just put back in the one year in residence. I hate that. I don't like that at all, especially when coaches can move about it like they can, or, or teams, schools can move about as they can. I don't really like that. Um, that's just a personal preference for me. But I understand people saying, let's put something punitive back in and make them really consider their decision. I just think that you're never going to get the support to do that. No, I don't either. I mean, I mean, but but that being said, that might be the most likely of the three the three ways you're going to attack this. The three things we're talking about: the transfer portal, the no sitting out, and the nil money. the The sitting out option might be the most reasonable, the most likely, you know, the most plausible because we'll, the nil is going to be a disaster because once you've given the power to a program like Alabama, for instance, that or Texas A&M, uh, they were the ones rumored what to like spend like thirty-five million dollars or whatever it was. It, if are, are they going to give that up? No, no, they're not going to give that up. They're not going to support that. They would never support that. They're not going to support limitations on on what you're spending. Only the people. This is like you know the Power Five and Group of Five, and all of a sudden the Group of Five teams are asking for things, and the Power Five is saying, "What? Why would we ever give that up? That's beneficial to us." So the schools that are spending the money getting the NIL deals, getting the top top players, top transfers, they're not going to give that up. Um, I had an interesting suggestion from Main Ear 105 in, in his question related to that sitting out the season. And he suggested that basically you, you have to sit out a year when you transfer, but your clock pauses. That doesn't count against a year of eligibility. So – you play your you play your freshman year and then you transfer. The next year doesn't have to be a redshirt, or you redshirt and then you transfer. So you would normally have four years to play four, but you sit out. And now you only have three to play three. Instead, you sit out, but then you still have four to play four on the backside of that. Uh, now, that's probably only going to benefit you know the the guys that are not going to be future NFLers. Um, but if we're talking about trying to fix things that need to be fixed and trying to find solutions trying to change things that have already happened you're going to have to find compromise and that might be a compromise of hey we're going to go back to sitting out a year but it doesn't count against a year of eligibility i would i would schedule a meeting with main ear and i would have the conversation with some smart people because i think it's an idea that could go somewhere and that has a framework that could function. Wasn't that related to something you suggested? What was your idea? Your idea was what six years to play for, no matter I, what, like no red shirts. Give, I would just give everybody five years. Oh, is it five years? Okay. Yeah. Um, 
because honestly, your best football players and basketball players, I mean, how many fifth year seniors do you see in the in the NBA draft? Few. Right. NFL, some, mostly because of transferring or their offensive linemen or defensive linemen. But like you're very rarely going to use five years. And if you're good enough to go, you're good enough to go. But that's a whole nother thing. Um, my solutions here. You ready? Yep. Let's combine NIL with the transfer portal. If you have made NIL money, and this is going to be incumbent upon the schools and maybe the conferences, I don't know, to have some sort of a registry, a reporting mechanism, and not should, but must. So all that should language in these school NIL policies, no. You must, okay? Um, and that might mean that schools have like dedicated staff to police and report all the NIL activities for somebody. But anyways, if you have made NIL money at West Virginia, and all of a sudden you're unhappy and you're transferring, and you start making NIL money at a new school, that would concern me. And if it's a lot of NIL money, that would concern me. What if you could not make NIL money your first year at your new school or your first season at your new school? Hmm. Might that slow things down? Now, if you're a player here who wasn't getting NIL money, you're a, you're a backup defensive lineman or you're a, an offensive lineman who's you know a, a starter or a regular but isn't making NIL money and you go somewhere else, and you do or don't make NIL money, hey, you've improved your situation. That's okay. Now, you might say, Mike, if they make some money here and they make more money there, haven't they improved their situation? Sure. But the look is is such that right now that you wonder who or what influenced that person. So I would think about that, number one. Number two, um, I would definitely have some sort of a dedicated investigation unit. <laughs> so I'm not talking like CSI or NCIS or anything like that, but – there is absolutely tampering going on, whether it's in the recruiting process from high school to college or from college to college. There's absolutely tampering going on. And these coaches know it. And for some reason, they're afraid to, like, make a fuss about it. You'll hear people say things and make veiled comments about it. And I get that they don't want to be the person out in public doing it. Fine. Do it in the back room. Have a person you can go to and say, here's the tampering. Here's the evidence. We heard from this high school coach or trainer. We heard from this teammate. We saw this text, whatever. And do something with it. And again, is that a school thing? Is that a conference thing? There has to be something. And if it's like a collective where it's representatives from each conference, you have two from uh, the Power Five, so you have 10 people. Or you have one from major 10 conferences, you have 10 people. However you want to do it, but have some sort of a collective that works because it would help everybody. Because you're absolutely seeing it happen. You're seeing players that are not going into the portal until they know they have business waiting for them. They go open the portal, and how many of these crystal balls or how many of these like in-the-moment predictions about a player transferring, watch for him to end up at blank. How many of those come true? A lot. Why? There's no secrets. A lot of this we know and we've heard, but you can probably prove, too. Um, and my other thing would be if I was a coach, I would throw a fit if I knew that I was getting tampered with. That's kind of like 2B. But I would think about a way to make sure that the NIL being attached to movement is somewhat regulated. I think you can do that. Um, and number two, I would make sure there's some sort of a authoritative body, investigative body that really works on this. Because I just I, I campaigned against the whole idea of adding personnel to solve a problem because all it does is deal with the problem. It doesn't make the problem go away. You kind of have to confront that. This problem isn't going away, so you have to have some sort of staffing mechanism that deals with it. Yeah, the tampering thing is real. Um, we've talked about it on the board. We'll go into it too much more, but it, it's real. It happens. It's not particularly hidden. It's not like, you know, they're using encrypted messages on WhatsApp that delete after like six hours or something like that. Like, it, it's not hidden. Um, I like your idea of the no NIL money 
that first year. Now, again, we we come back to the problem of trying to put it back in the box here, but that would eliminate a vast majority of, as we're talking about recruits, I, th- I think if there was a way to, and I, God, I hate being, I don't want to be that guy that is like limiting people's options to make money. That is the exact, that's the antithesis of what I believe in. And so to, I, it's hard for me to say this, but the idea of these recruits getting all this money is so blatantly to convince when they are recruits in high school, it is so blatantly a way of just paying them to go to schools. And it's, again, not very well hidden, not very well, you know, hey, here's a million dollar deal from the the uh, Starksville Ford and Chevy dealer, Ford or Chevy dealership. And it's like, oh, and then he chose to go to Mississippi State. That's a coincidence. It, you know, that kind of stuff. Now, I, I just picked Star. I don't know why I picked Starksville there, but that that's that first year that giving these kids money when they are still in high school. And paying them to go to schools, essentially, even and when that is explicitly stated to to not be allowed, that would be a good fix too. Like again, we're talking, we need to find compromise here, and that might be a compromise: is is not eliminating nil, not limiting what you can make overall, but a hey, it's a rookie scale. You want to put in a rookie scale like the NFL did? That's what they did. NFL rookie Ooh. scale. Set it in there that first year guys again. We're, we're brainstorming on the fly here because I like your idea of none. But if, if none is not an option, then how about limited? How about you can make more the longer you're in college? How about your first year, your cap is X. Your second year, your cap is 2X. 3X on your third year, 4X on your fourth year. Hell, 5X if your fifth year. Incentivize these kids to stay, stay in college, stay at the place that they're at. Maybe that clock resets. Maybe that budget resets if they transfer. You transfer to a new school, even though you're a junior, you're back to 1X again because it's your first year at a new school. I like it. Um, two, two, maybe three other things here, too. I should have mentioned this initially, but there there absolutely should be a period where transfers are and are not permitted. Like every major sport has a free agency. Uh, right. Soccer has the transfer window, so on and so forth. Like that should I don't know why that's not there. I think that there were some legal obstacles that they were concerned about and they just decided, well, we'll shoot first and ask questions later. Well, it's time to ask the questions and probably answer them. So you have the, um, you have the transfer, I don't know, diaspora here. You can transfer whenever you want, but that's crazy. And coaches don't like that. So yeah, put something in and you're still probably going to have legal challenges to that or some sort of thing that says, wait a minute, you're, you're restricting the freedom of movement, whatever. If you, if you want to transfer within the windows that's permissible, fine. Immediate eligibility. If you want to transfer in between the windows, guess what? You're not immediately eligible. You'll forfeit that. So that would probably restore some order to at least roster management or off seasons or whatever. So West Virginia gets bit here because Daryl Porter transfers. Well, what if the window is closed? Um, you can't do it. You got to go through spring football. That would be ideal for coaches. Now, he doesn't have to practice in the spring, but he can't go in there into the portal. And a month from now, he's not as appealing as a player. That's unfortunate, but that's the truth. And that would be good for the team. It would also make Porter probably think about his decision. Not everybody wins, but you certainly see that there's some order restored here, too. But if you want to go in the portal right now, well, guess what? You lose that eligibility. That carrot's there for you, but you have to do right by the guidelines. The other one, if the one-time transfer exists, for one free transfer, you can't let grad students do it, I think. 
because now you have two. And a lot of these players, you're looking at players who transfer twice. Um, there's not a lot of poly poly caps out there, but there are some. And there's NFL or excuse me, there's there's college football players who do that. They transfer once in their career, they graduate and they're gone. I would wonder if one time just means one time. Like, why have levels to it? Why have a kid who can travel, who can transfer in between his sophomore and junior years, um, do two years at a second school, graduate, and then do another year at a third school? I don't think that's probably what the rule intends. So why shouldn't one time actually mean one time? Why have layers? I like it. Um, do we fix move this? On. Huh? Do we fix this? I think we did. Yeah. I, I think. I think between. Uh, our ideas here. Uh, I like the. I, I like all of it. I mean, these are. It, it, we went on the fly. To be clear, we did not discuss this beforehand. So, w- did we just fix all the NCAA's problems in fifteen minutes of podcast on the fly? Should we get elected to the? You said it's an elected position, right? Should we run for NCAA board? <laughs> we should talk about that before we have another podcast. Probably, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure we want that one. All right. What, one more question on the on the football thing and the transfer, because it's something that as more information has come out, I think it's something that maybe we should discuss that I'm I'm personally curious about as well. Dr. P. Love 1920 asks, guys, what is going on within the football program? Not knowing is actually worse than whatever it could be. They need help figuring this out if they do not already know. Assuming they know, I just cannot do anything about it. Um, related to this, most recent Recent, but not recent transfer, Tavis Lee, defensive lineman, originally out of Martinsburg. He entered the transfer portal on Thursday. I reported that he entered the transfer portal on Thursday. Now, the timing of it makes it seem like that was three transfers in three in three days, basically. It wasn't. Tavis Lee has not been with the program for a while. Uh, as was noted on our board, he was removed from the roster over a month ago. Um, I went back and checked. He was on the official roster that the school was sending out with game notes throughout the season, except for the bowl game. He disappeared for the bowl game. And there was some confusion on when exactly he left. Turns out, and I'm assuming this is true, this is pretty good sources, and one of them, one of them was corroborated by a player's father on social media, is that Lee got hurt in fall camp and was essentially almost assuredly going to miss the season. He was on scholarship. The staff said, hey, stay on scholarship. Enter the portal later if you want. Stay on scholarship. Get your degree. Get your diploma. And finish things out here. Now, what story sounds better for the program, Mike? Hey, third transfer in three days. Third scholarship player to leave the program in three days. Or... Davis Lee gets hurt, coaches save his scholarship spot so that he can earn his degree and graduate from the university, and they wish him well if he decides to try somewhere else. Let me Which story sounds better here. Let me let me reach up here on my bookshelf in my office. Uh-huh. Many, many novels here. Um, and dust this one off for you. I, they 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 do not care what people know and think. And I, I don't mean that in like a negative necessary. I just think that they're not, they're not attuned to that because this would be a really good example. And like, I may say that a bunch and it may sound like I'm complaining about access or injuries or who's available or not. I just don't think they have their head up on stuff like this because this would be a really good example to just call somebody and say, Hey, by the way, this is not like the other two. Here's a kid who, I mean, this is why the portal exists. 
right? This is yeah. actually the spirit of the existence of the portal. And like they did right by him and he did right by them. He never went on social media and trashed anybody. Uh, by all accounts, was a good a good teammate, a good guy. Like just, just didn't, I mean, just a guy, I get that. But it wouldn't be hard to do something like this to spin it back in the right direction. But haven't talked to Neil Brown since signing day in December. Um, he's talked. We haven't talked to him about stuff like that. There'd be a lot of questions to ask him about stuff like this. But that's that's just not their style. And I, I mean, that's, Whatever reason, whatever motivation, whatever explanation, there there's a lot of times where they could just pop their head up and have some sort of an explanation, or they could pop into someone's text messages or a phone call or something and say, "Hey, here's the real story on this one here." And, and to my knowledge, that doesn't really happen very much because I just don't think that they're they're that concerned about what people think on the outside. Stuff happens, and they just keep their head down and keep going forward, trying to figure this thing out. Is that right? Um, I don't know. That's certainly something that is subjective, I would think, and people might have different different opinions of that too. But it's not it's not because they're hiding things sometimes or because they don't want people to know things. This is something that they probably couldn't or shouldn't hide and probably something that they would and should want people to know about, and they don't. And that's just kind of like their MO on stuff like this too. So it, it goes in a bunch of different directions. It's not hiding things from fans and hiding things from the media. It's just that I don't really think that they're, they're too invested in in what people think about them. Moving on to basketball. Preston County and was a, and, and Timberpip also had a similar question related to West Virginia's offense. I'll read Preston County's. He says, we've heard players, i.e. Polycap, talk about how Huggins' offensive system is harder to grasp than other schemes they've been a part of. All indications are that Huggins prefers defensive rebounding. Da, da, da. Would it be wise to simplify what they're doing in offense, especially in a world where players spend less time at single schools? Follow-up from me. Is Huggins' offense difficult? Because I don't think it is. Yeah, motion isn't, isn't. Like, it just takes continuity and experience together. And you yeah. can probably explain this better than me, but a lot of it is like something happens. If you have the ball, something happens, and you know what, two, three, four other people are going to do subsequent to that. Or if you don't have the ball, something happens, you can anticipate what the player with the ball does. It's a lot of read and react, if-then stuff. And it just takes time. It just takes familiarity. It takes reps. And that's the negative of having either freshman or first-year players is that they just don't have that together. And you could do a lot early in a season, before a season, just to get going. And then maybe by the end of the season, you have some. But within one year is not the same as within two years, within three years together, too. Um, you probably have way better ways to fill in the blanks there. But is it is it hard? No. Is it easy? Also, no. It just takes time. Yeah, I mean, I think you covered it there. It's a lot of if-then stuff. If this person passes here, then they're going to do that, and then I do this. Um, but the, the most basic principles, the stuff that you know you teach kids, you teach seven-year-olds— yeah, pa- pass and screen away, pass and replace, cut and, or cut and replace, excuse me, is that there are general spots on the floor that when you are running this motion offense, you pass to the left side, you screen to the right. You pass down to the post, you screen out on the wings. You're trying to get guys open. You're always cutting and replacing, filling these general spots, top of the key on the wings and the blocks. If you're running five out, then maybe it's more of a two wings, two corners, and a post for your five spots, but there are generally five spots on this floor that you want to keep refilling, whether it's through cuts or screens or replacing guys. And again, it, it, some of that is just having to play together and figuring it out. Cause you're right. Like 
you might play with one player who prefers to get a ball screen and then uh, another player that prefers to ball screen and then roll ball screen and then pop or a guy that prefers to cut out to the wing or a guy that shoots better in the corner. You have to kind of feel your, your teammates out. And that does take time. That's difficult to do when you got a lot of first year guys together. But the very simple, like basic concept concepts of this is, you know, pass and screen away, cut and replace. I, I'm not seeing guys do that. You know, we've already gone over some of the film. We put it up on YouTube and, and reviewed it. Just not a lot of screens, not a lot of movement. And, and, you know, it's called motion offense. You have to move. And you will very often see a guy pass it to one wing, and then there's kind of a two-man game going on the side, which maybe if that's what's called from the sideline, okay. But you see the other three guys on the on the opposite side of the court just standing there, just standing. Um, you know, I've been kind of hard on McNeil here this season. Uh, and, and, again, you're hard on guys that you think should be good, you know are good, and should be better. And he literally he will catch it on the wing, look at what he's got, pass it back to the top of the key, and then stand up and stand back. Watch him in a game, and you do not see him pass and cut, pass and screen. He passes it, and then that's it. He passes it back to the top of the key, and his, his time on that offensive possession is now over because he relaxes, he stands up, and he steps back from the three-point line, and that's it. It's not very difficult to guard. So I, I don't know, is it tough? Like you said, well, how do you put it? Is it tough? No. Is it easy? No. But it, West Virginia has to be better than what they are right now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I would say this, too. Um, it should be better because I would think that problems are easier to fix, too, because, hey, when this happens, you're supposed to do this and not what you did. Oh, okay. Right. shouldn't be repeating the problems. And how many times we hear Huggins say that they don't run plays because they don't know what to do. That's kind of a curious thing to me. When he's saying running plays, a lot of it's because, he, like, again, he stands up and he one finger in the air, signals it like it's a home run in baseball. That means run motion. So if it's not working, it's because they haven't fixed some of the issues, number one. Number two, to the point about would it be easier to have a simpler offense, I kind of thought back in the preseason, I was writing this in the summer, I kind of thought some of the idea or some of the um, side effect of bringing in Kerrigan and Polycap was that these are guys that if you're going to use them in offense, they didn't seem like back to the basket players, but if you're going to use them in offense, these are going to be like screen and roll guys, like screen, dash to the basket and catch a bounce pass or catch it above the rim. The passing isn't very good, but neither is the screening. Polycap can screen a little bit, but that dude keeps shrinking. He's 6'6 now, I guess. So <laughs> how great of a screener is he? I don't know. He's physically tries. Other guys don't really get too square. They just kind of like lean in and duck out. And maybe because they're trying to go to the basket, but I mean, how many times have you seen Polycap or Kerrigan catch a bounce pass or a lob and dunk it or lay it in? Hasn't happened. If you go back and you watch some of their tape from Manhattan, from DePaul, from FIU, Polycap and Kerrigan do a lot of that. Kerrigan especially had looked like pretty good hands below the rim, and he was very good above the rim. Some of that takes a guard who can do it, and this has not been attached to the problem, but Huggins says they don't have guys who can drive and absorb contact. 
it's really hard to get a screen and go downhill and then, you know, flick a lob pass into the air or get in the lane and make a bounce pass or a chest pass or something if you can't get in the lane too. So um, it's not just that they haven't been good in quote unquote simple offense or offense that could be constructed around their skills. Someone's got to get in the ball and they, they are just aren't a very good passing team for a couple of different reasons. And one of them is, is their size and their ability to get into the spaces where they have to make those passes. Next question from WVUG 13 biggest off season need for basketball in the portal. If you could get only one, where are you going? I just listened to Huggins this year. They got to get a big, like if they can, I'm not, I'm not saying go get him. I'm not tampering with like John Hewley from Pitt would be like ideal. I think a guy like that, who's like six, nine, six, 10, six, 11, two sixty, something like that. And just can do stuff where throw it to him. And he can get a basket or he's big and he can take up space and rebound. Um, maybe a simpler way to say is, is Derek Culver. You know what I mean? Like if they can get somebody who can do that, I think that's their, their a one goal only because I don't think that they're going to reinvent the wheel this off season. I just think they're trying to get better parts for what they've done. Um, and that would be the simplest thing to me would be get somebody who can fill that five spot that they've been good with when they've had one before. Would you like to self-report that violation or do you want me to do it for you? I was just personifying <laughs> the person. That's all. Just the idea needed a needed a face. I was just saying someone like him, who, by the way, they were connected with in recruiting. Very much. That's what I was about to say. What a coincidence that you picked him, Michael. And he's um, been very good this year, too. I, I'm with you there, though, because I think that's the move. You look at you look at the big men, you're going to lose Kerrigan. You're going to lose um, Polycap. You're going to lose Gabe. Uh you still got Cottrell, but again, he's is he a big man? Is he your, your five? No. Aconquo, Huggins has raved about him, said he was like the best big man during preseason, but he's been hurt on and off. Haven't seen him even when he's not hurt. Um, well, I assume he's not hurt uh, at times. Maybe he is. But after, and then Senny Njai transfers. So all of a sudden you, you went from, hey, this is a, a stacked and deep or maybe that's stacked or deep, but there are a lot of bodies in the front court here um, to, all right, now you're back down to uh, pretty low numbers and you need it because you look at the guys that are coming back and the guys that are coming in and you see a couple guards, you see a couple wings, you see maybe a forward. Um, so I, I think getting that big and, and you touched on a name that I won't mention, I'm not getting, uh, you know, strikes against me, but uh, that would be a good one. That that's somebody to watch if if he enters the transfer portal. But that is the type of player that I think would would fit in well. And people are going to say get a wing, get a point guard, sure. But for ranking by priority that we think exists, I would I would have to go with our pick. Yeah, get one get one of each if you can. But sure. yeah, the the most important one is going to be <clears throat> the big man. Um, next question: SJJSWVU four. What could pass basketball possibly do in the offseason that is the equivalent of the Graham Harrell hire? Doesn't necessarily have to be coaching, but something that instantly gives the basketball team a much-needed identity and or credibility. First, are, are you in agreement that the hiring of Graham Harrell really kind of transformed the way that West Virginia football was viewed, at least offensively? Yeah. Okay, I, I am too. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page before we tackle this next question. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. The premise, the premise works. Yes. The the problem here is that the solution may not exist though. Like I just I, I just don't know. Like what, what what do you want out of West Virginia basketball? Do you want like a three point shooting team? Guess what? They're supposed to be that this year, right? It just hasn't worked. Okay, well what would be different? All right, let's get a couple bigs. Play back to the basket. I'm not sure. Um, and then I mean I I challenge you name 
name the Graham Harrell in college basketball, right? Or name the Joe Brady of college basketball. Name the Brent Venables, who was like the 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 sliced bread defensive coordinator for a long time of college basketball. Like, can you do that? Like, can can fans actually do that? And like, if you can't name them, how many people could hear a name and go, oh, that's the person who did blank at blank. That's really hard to do. So like a lot of people know, for example, now that Mark Adams was by and large responsible for a lot of Texas Tech's defense and also like transfer success too. Did anybody know that when he got hired? No. So can you find someone like that? Like if you're replacing, I mean, here we, I'm, I'm here. I am. <laughs> let's say, let's say Ron Everhart says, you know what? It's been a good run. You know, I want to go and hang out down in Fairmont, but he retires, right? Okay. Tidy. Huggins doesn't have to make a change. Goes out and gets somebody. But like who? Like what are you looking for? Like let's get the guy who does offense. Well, who would that be? Let's get the guy who does defense. Who would that be? So I'm not sure it's like staffing or anything like that. I think it's players. And if he went out and got a major transfer, right? And then you're like, that's a guy. That's an all-conference guy who's like a first-round pick. That would do it. Because now you have a ticket seller and you have a person who can get points on the board and make you say, this is a lot more like I remember. Um, conversely, if they go out and they get a big time recruit, maybe like a 23 who reclassifies and is suddenly available. And he's a guy who, I don't know, could he have been like a, a, a G league draft pick or something like that? Could he be like a, a person who just has a one year in college thing? That'd be interesting to me too. So something like that, that would be a bona fide, give him the ball talent. I think that's the only way that's going to make people go, Oh yeah, that's reasonable. Like, cause again, I just don't know who the, who the, the, the the parallel example is for football of a Graham Harrell in basketball. I, I don't know what you would do. And then what are they going to do on offense? Are they going to change? Are they become like a are they going to run the John Beelan offense? Are they going to run a two three zone? Is that going to excite people? No, I just don't think schemes in basketball mean as much to people as they do in football. Um, so I think you got to get players who can do the stuff that makes people pay attention to basketball. Yeah, we've we've discussed the um, quote unquote coordinator angle here for basketball that it's it's not really. It's non-existent. Like you're, no matter who you hire as an assistant coach, for the most part, the identity of your team is your head coach. So, with that in mind, I take a look at what has Huggins done at West Virginia. What identities has he had? Because let's, I think it's safe to say that the identity of the team, while some aspects of it have been here throughout, there has been some variance between, you know, what, what they kind of focus on, what they let, you know, press Virginia, a little bit of one three one zone, some three-point shooting, some not three-point shooting, two bigs, four, five out, that kind of stuff. He, he's fluctuated and adjusted depending on what he has or what he's forced upon forced to do. Um, so with that in mind, I think the identity offensively, uh, I put this in my story earlier in the week about I was expecting five out this year, or at least four out, in a more three-point, just launching threes. It worked so well in the second half of last year when West Virginia had to switch to that on the fly, mid-season, without getting personnel for it, and just said, hey, let's try it out. This is our only option, because we don't have any other bigs. We got to go four out, and we got to shoot threes. And it worked. It worked. And then I assumed that in the off-season, they would then take the time to add pieces to continue that trend and help perfect that that offense by using the entire offseason instead of doing it on the fly. Would you like to take a guess? Out of 357 Division I teams, where West Virginia ranks on three-point attempts, not makes, attempts, out of 357 teams? 
It's very low, right? 277. Okay. So this idea that they're still a four-out, five-out team is false. It, they're not. Um, they are somehow, without without an offensive big, they have gone back to, and again, a lot of the shots are still coming from, from Taz Sherman, and he's more of a drive guy than he is a, a, a spot-up three-pointer, although he can shoot a spot-up three. Um, West Virginia has reverted back to a two-point offense instead of a three-point offense. And even when they are shooting the threes, again, you have 277th on attempts, 274th in percentage of three-point makes. So when they are shooting them, they're not shooting them very well. So maybe that submarines my own argument here. But defensively, I don't hate Press Virginia, and I know there are some issues with it. I know you have to have the numbers. I know you have to have certain personnel, and and those guys don't, you know, don't grow on trees. The, the type of guy that could be on-ball defender like a Javon Carter or a guy that can be in the back end of that zone to help defend like a, a Kanate because, you know, when you run that zone, they're going – or the, that press, they're going to break that press and get attempts at layups, and you need a rim protector. I know those guys don't grow on trees, but I would much rather see West Virginia, West Virginia force 25 turnovers and allow a few extra layups than – play half-court defense and still allow that many layups? Because that's what it's been the past couple of years, last year and this year. They, they, ha- they are still allowing a, a ridiculous amount of layups at the rim, but they're running a half-court defense. And, and that's just because they can't stay in front of the guy. So I'd just much rather say, screw it, let's go Havoc ball and, and press guys and try to get turnovers. That's, that's really your hope. Now, if Huggins is up for re-election, which maybe he is in some regard, that's the answer, right? Yeah. Like, you know what, guys? I don't care. We're going to do this the way we did it before. We're going to get back to it. We're going to reset the West Virginia core. We're going to press. And he goes out and he gets a bunch of defenders and, and, you know, drivers and shooters or whatever that just play defense. Great. That would do a lot, too. Um, and then I, I wonder, I mean, something exotic, too. Like, you, it would have to be like a, a term, like a run and shoot, an air raid. And I don't know, would it be like the old, like, like Paul Westhead, like Showtime? But that's such a dramatic change that I just I don't think you're going to see anything like that offensively too and, and they're not going to simplify things and you know, like just ball screens and shoot threes and seven seconds or less or anything like that it's I'd, I'd be surprised about that too um an answer that would be interesting mm-hmm. if they reorganized personnel or brought in personnel and said we we now have a new recruiting operation this is our director of recruiting. This is our assistant director in charge of high school. And this is our assistant director in charge of transfers. I think that would shut a lot of people up. Yeah. I just think that's something that, I mean, schools may end up doing anyways, but like just to say, cause that's the knock right now is that he's not a fan of the portal and that recruiting the way he does it will take some time. That maybe is not an ally right now because how brief players are on the court for you before they may transfer. And also like how immediate things have to be because of the portal and people getting in seniors and like 21 year old players to come in and play one year. Um, high school recruiting may be something that is, I don't want to say frowned upon, but people maybe aren't as patient with. So if you just say, I have a plan to overhaul and see how it goes, here's a director and two assistants, that might make people go, okay, he's got this. I, I knew he had it in him. Here we go. You know what? I'm going to move that to two tops on my list. I think Press Virginia is going to Press Virginia Rouse, number two. Um, it, but this whole, I don't care that everyone in the entirety of college basketball is using the portal and that is where guys are finding success, but I'm just not doing it angle. It's not sustainable long-term. 
and it's not something that's going to work. And I, I, it's not sitting well, as you noted, with, with the fan base. Um, and if he doesn't personally want to handle it, that's fine. You're right. They, we talked. We we kicked this podcast off talking about how programs all over the country are creating new positions to handle these sort of situations. So create that spot. Hire that guy. This person is in charge of all transfers, recruiting, scouting those guys, finding them, and securing them. Mm-hmm. So I like it. I'd move that to the top of the list wow. for sure. We fixed yep. it. Fixed it. We fixed that. We. We have fixed the NCAA. We have fixed the basketball program. We've uh, fixed the football program's storytelling. Uh, anything else we want to we want to fix, Mike? Before I ask the last question, uh, the length of our podcast. So maybe <laughs> we should just go to the finish. Okay, <laughs> let's let's end on a high note here from eighty three eighty nine grad. You guys heard anything positive about West Virginia athletics in say the last year? Anything you could use? Rifle team get new shooting glasses? Anything? What's some positives, Mike? I got a couple, but Dan, what it... Dan Stratford, mm-hmm. as advertised for men's soccer. Um, look, look, the football facility is excellent. Graham Harrell is probably a guy that you wouldn't think this situation could get, but the right combination of pitches and pitchers did the trick. So you know when they have to reach back and throw their fastball. They did. That that matters. We'll see how much it matters, but you can't get you can't get to the problem solving process unless you get the problem solver, you think. So that's a good thing. Um and then like I just I look at I know people are down on some of the coaches, but like like I look at like Nikki Izzo Brown, what I know of a Tim Flynn or Mike Carey, I I would imagine those people are probably more mad than anybody else. So like there's something somewhat exciting about the comeback or a bounce back or any elasticity of some of these coaches. What do they do? I don't know. Mike Carey's just unfortunately got a ton of injuries again. Um, but like, like what do you think Nikki Izzo's doing? You think she's just sitting back going, that was all right. Do that again. No way. Right. Like she's going to come back fierce. I would think. And then I think that there's, there's a spirit that and there's maybe an awareness. So like, that's not a good thing, I guess, but like you can look forward to something. If you, if you don't like what you look back and see, you're probably not alone especially among the people who were complicit in that stuff. So I figured they're going to have something up their sleeve, I think. But Stratford, for sure. Great football facilities. Right pitch, right pitches for uh, to get the guy that maybe solves your problem. And then this is probably forgotten. You're still in a power five. <laughs> like, that's a major deal, right? That's a major thing. Like, imagine if you were just kind of floating around right now, because when this dropped in our laps, when was this? June, May? I forget even. Like, there was a lot of people worried that they wouldn't have a seat at the table. They wouldn't be in a power five. They wouldn't be a major conference. You're still there. You're still making tens and dozens of millions of dollars just for being in a league. Um, don't forget how important that is. Uh, again, you're right. I think all all of the non-revenue sports, I don't think West Virginia can really get better than the coaches they have right now. I think that that they have a solid foundation in those sports. And, and that those coaches know what they're doing. They've had success, and I expect them to have future success. Turning back to football, you touched on it, Graham Harrell. Uh, I mean, first, defensively, and you reported this the other day, and I, I get that some places don't want to report on what others are reporting, but I cannot believe an, a bigger deal wasn't made over the fact that the entire defensive staff got new contracts. 
I mean, you broke that news, and, and that seems like big news to me, that you have had success with young guys, even with all the transfers, even with all the turnover and the turmoil. I mean, let's call it what it is with the the, the Vic situation a couple off-seasons ago, and, and coaches leaving, players leaving, and you've continued to have success on that side of the ball, and you just extended that entire staff and secured their time there as best you possibly can with assistant coaches. That's a big positive. Mm-hmm. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you just went out and hired one of the best young minds in, in college football as far as, as getting an offense going in Graham Harrell. And then everything I've heard so far about Washington from his time at Coastal Carolina, it was a, there was no surprise there that things moved so quickly with him in West Virginia and that they felt that he was such a home run hire that he's just one of those guys that most people in the industry see as a fast riser, somebody that just knocks it out of the park during interviews and you really get excited about. So that's two great hires, two great hires on the offensive side of the ball to try to fix the problems they've had. And then you've retained all the guys that have had success already on the defensive side of the ball. So positives there for football. Basketball season's ongoing. We've talked about it a bunch right now. But you look at recruiting. Josiah Davis is one of those guys. And somebody posted, was it was it Rob Dalster, um, I believe, wrote a story about him uh, recently that he was a guy that if he weren't committed right now, that his recruiting profile would blow up because he's just having an amazing, amazing year. I mean, he's he's had multiple triple doubles. They're playing a semi-national schedule it's not like your typical you know prep school national schedule of just elite top high level play teams all the time but still playing some very good teams and he is putting up big numbers doing big things staff is very excited about him and then josiah harris again one of those guys that if he weren't committed i think his rating would be skyrocketing i have i have fought for him to get a higher rating with 24 7 sports because west virginia is very excited about him he has gone head-to-head against guys with four- and five-star ratings and beaten them and outperformed them and is just having a monster season doing all sorts of things that I think you can get excited about. So um, some positive news on the recruiting front for basketball as well. We can also get excited about Bob Hertzel having to deal with a team with Josiah Harris and Josiah Davis in addition to Kobe Johnson and Kedrian Johnson. (sighs) It's going to be tough. It's a good thing you guys are friends. <laughs> yeah, well, he knows. <laughs> He's going to mess it up at least five times, I'm sure. Yeah. We still we still joke about uh, Alexander Ruoff, which is either Joe Alexander or Alex Ruoff. We're never sure. <laughs> that was a long time ago, too, but that's that still, was. Uh, that's still worth chatter. Um, also, Country Roads Trust. I don't know where it goes, but it wasn't in place that long ago, and it's it's got some, it's got some chances to do some things here that without – you know, they, they would be at a disadvantage, I think, in the NIL battle, too. So I would put that one in your cap as well. Yep. Anything uh, else, Chris? No, I think that was it. Other things uh, I wanted to cover on here. Again, w- there were some repeats, and I'll pick through some of the other questions, and I will answer them in written form. Uh, late night Saturday game. So this will go up to kind of hold you over, tide you over for the old 8 p.m. tip time. Baseball season starts at 11 a.m. today, Friday. This might already be underway by the time you hear today's episode. Three preview stories, one on the season, one on the pitching staff, one on the offense, up on the site right now. Four games in four days down at Coastal Carolina to start the season. I think their first, first seven are on the road and 10 of their first 12 are on the road. So, um, yeah, get your get your links out there if you want to follow the team. Um, 
no idea what's going to happen with baseball, except that it's going to be unique. They're going to do a lot of like stealing bases and getting on and bunting and running and things like that. And um, buckle up for like four hour games <laughs> because they have a lot of relief pitchers. Like their best pitchers are relief pitchers. And if they can squeeze, I don't know, 12 outs out of their starters on some nights, I think they'll be okay with that because they probably have another way to get, you know, 12 to 15 outs out of their bullpen. So we're going to take, what is it, the Tampa Bay Rays starting starting a closer for one inning kind of thing? I mean, it could be like I really wonder in midweek stuff because they have so many pitchers. I wonder if they just don't make the midweek games like bullpen games, but right. they're, they're going to have to figure out a Sunday starter for sure. And then to be frank with you, we'll see what they get out of their Friday and Saturday guys. That that may change a bunch and it, it could be creative for sure. But they have some they went out and they got some pitchers that have like rubber arms. Uh, Trey Braithwaite from Navy, Chase Smith from Pitt. Those guys threw a lot like multiple times a weekend, several days in a row sometimes, they can go. They, I think, set records for appearances of both their schools, if I'm not mistaken. It's pretty close. Uh, and they have players who p- pitched here and been pretty good. Uh, Jake Waters, Noah Short. That's just four relievers. They have some other players. Uh, Kevin Dowdell is a junior college player. He's probably going to play some left field, maybe some DH, and also pitch out of the bullpen. Pretty clever guy there, too. And everybody likes Grant Hussey at first base. You get Tevin Tucker back, Austin Davis in right field, Victor Scott in center field. They got maybe like half or more of their lineup figured out and then you know two three spots four spots i guess the dh another half of it they're gonna have to figure out who goes where but but no shortage of candidates there and and kind of like a style that Maisie wants to play which is let's get let's worry about getting on base and then we know what we want to do when we get there so uh could be exciting but also like the games because you might see a lot of pitching changes well that sounds good mike you have a, a very important post to go look at in the huggins fish fry 2022 on the message board so make sure you uh, check that as soon as you get off here. Oh, God. <laughs> have we, someone asked me this. Have we looked up the record for Huggins in the game after the fish fry? Because someone told me it was like one and eight. Well, and somebody, I, I, I was going to say, somebody messaged me, hey, what is this, you know, having this fish fry right before the Kansas game? And I was like, I feel like they have it right before the Kansas game every year. Or at least that's what, I mean, two years ago for sure, because it wasn't Bill Self one of the guests. Right? Well, I know they did it before Kentucky one year. I know they did it before, I think, I think one year was Bruce Weber, and I was like, "How did that happen?" Yeah. Um, so like, it's it's always before a home game for sure. They had a virtual last year, right? Right. So someone told me they're one and eight, which means this is a tenth one. I'm surprised by that. Good for Huggins, but man, what a! I, I need to look into this. Someone's gonna have to help me out there. Right. I'm looking at you, Layton. <laughs> Anyways, anything else, Chris? No, that's it for right now. Uh, I was gonna say I'm gonna have uh, got a couple of recruiting stories up, a little bit of the transfer talk, uh, and in the, in the VIP buzz, a new guy that I guess we'll just call go ahead and call him the Daryl Porter replacement that West Virginia offered the other day. Um, and yeah, game Saturday night. I'll have this mailbag, written mailbag portion up Saturday morning so that you can read it during the day before the game. Hey, real quick, are you surprised that they're actually targeting a corner with their one of the remaining? Because that wasn't in the plan before, right? Uh, it was definitely secondary. Uh, they never, you know, specified that it was going to be a corner. It was just a, one or two secondary guys. I remember them mentioning because they had already gotten the uh, the, the corner, uh, the FCS quarter over Christmas break there. Right. So I guess this this Porter move now kind of forces it upon them. Kind of think they're in a good position. I mean, they're their reporter's not immediately replaceable, but like they have some guys that they could put there. But I, I mean, you're kind of maybe relying on Charles Woods to be a corner now instead of like a slash. Um, hey, I wrote about this on the board. Uh, check it out. Eventual analysis. This again, because <laughs> we've done this before and I'm not going to repeat it now, but my thoughts on the situation with Charles Finley and Daryl Porter and 
what it means and, and what the Mountaineers might do. But here's an answer. I wasn't sure they would actually go out and try to get a cornerback, one of their seven, because I think they have a way to get through this. I actually think they're kind of armed to weather the storm. But perhaps I'm wrong. Again, that's why I'm here and not inside the Pushcar Center, yeah. among the many reasons. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. Talk to you later.